uh, let me dive into this. Uh, let me, I'm going to read the scripture and I'm going to pray. And this is one of those chunks of scripture I actually asked. I wanted to share this because I felt like about a month ago, see, that's how the Lord works, right? It was uh, right around the first of the year. I was spending some time in prayer, ended up reading through some Mark, some of Mark. And like these verses just jumped off the page to me. And I told the team, I said, hey, can I have this weekend? Because I really feel like this is just a word that like God's doing something to me and I want to be able to share with other people. So let's pray and we'll dive in. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for my friends. Thank you that we get to spend another Sunday morning together, whether it's rain, sleet or snow. Uh, you are good. We get to be in community as family, uh, united as one, lifting up the name of Jesus uh, being a spirit-filled, spirit-led church in the heart of the city, Bridgeport and Gravelly Lake, Lord God, 98499, Lord God, the, the uh, a community um, that needs the love and grace and hope of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Uh, so we're talking about the Sabbath, and let me just dive in. Yeah, let me dive in. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through 28. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 uh, is what we're talking about. And they're split in your Bible, but in my opinion, I think these work well. I, you, these work well together as one cohesive thought. Okay, so we're going to take it as one cohesive thought, and we're going to read here right now. Let's go. Verse 23, on, the, on Sabbath, one Sabbath, excuse me, one Sabbath, he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and uh, as they made their way, he's with his disciples. Uh, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? In my mind, I picture like the Pharisees being like the annoying little brother in this, right? Where you're like, like you say, don't touch me. And they come up like really close to you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Because if you read prior to this, they're like, oh, Jesus, you can't do this. Jesus, you can't do that. In here, Jesus, you can't do this. Jesus, can't do that. And again, after this, Jesus, you can't do this. You can't do that. They're just like, and, and you'll see it here in the scripture. They're like looking for any way where they can get under Jesus' skin. You can't do that. Oh, that's how I, when I read it in my head. That's how I read it. Just give you a little insight. The Pharisees are saying to him, look, what you're doing is not lawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how they entered the house of God at the time of Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And also he gave, those, he gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was for man, not man made for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Verse one, again, Jesus entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus, the Pharisees, to see if he, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. Not touching you, not touching you. So they, might accuse, uh, uh, so they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. It, it doesn't say here, but parenthetically, Jesus knows their heart, like was referenced earlier in Scripture. Parenthetically, Jesus knows their heart. So he says to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, all who were standing trying to accuse him is it lawful to do on the sabbath to do good or to harm to save a life or to kill it but they were silent and he looked around them with anger and was grieved at their hardness of heart and he said to the man stretch out your hand 
Like we could just preach on the stretch out your hand. I was doing some studying just on that. I'll give you a little glimpse, a little glimpse of it uh, in the book of Mark. And, and if I speak it, I will speak again in the series. But when I speak again, we may touch on it. But one thing about the book of Mark, there's a lot of allusions to uh, the resurrection of Jesus. Come forth, stretch out, move forward, burst, burst out. And this is one of those allusions to Jesus' resurrection coming a few chapters later. Stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand, and his hand, the withered hand, was restored. And the Pharisees went out immediately and held counsel and how, with the Herodians against how they could destroy Jesus. Sabbath is, in my opinion, others might be a lot smarter than me, so I get it. If you're smarter than me, man, I will um, sit and let you preach next time because I'll take notes, I promise that. Um, but it's one of the, uh, I think, it's not that the idea of the Sabbath is hard, but the practicality of walking it out, living it out, understanding it, I think is one of the harder concepts in the Bible. Most of the Bible, quite frankly, is easy to, to understand, hard to live out, right? A lot of the Bible really is that. It's these simple, powerful, passionate truths that get really hard to walk out because it's the everyday you have to die to yourself. It's the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, right? There's this idea that being consistent and diligent, moving forward in one direction over the course of time, that's hard to do. And the Lord knows it's hard to do. So he gives us simple things to do and we still can't do it. <laughs> but I think it's especially important that we understand what Sabbath is. And, some, and, and what I did was as I was praying and working through this, 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 this context of Scripture, I had four things that came to my mind about the Sabbath that I want to highlight for us today. Four truths, four things I think when you look through Scripture you see about the Sabbath that I think can just begin. This is not an exhaustive, uh, uh, completely uh, clinical study of the Sabbath. There are so many more things we can talk about. But I think these are four things, whether you're the most senior Christian in here or you're the newest Christian in here, I think we can all take something and run with it. The first thought about the Sabbath we have to understand is that the Sabbath is good. Sabbath is good. Do you realize that long before, long before Jesus showed up on the scene, physically incarnate, where it became flesh, before Redeemed Church showed up on the scene at the corner of Gravely Lake and Bridgeport, the Sabbath was, let's take you back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, into chapter 2. And God saw everything he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, there was a sixth day. Verse one of chapter two, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all of the hosts. And on the seventh day, God, uh, or on the seventh day, God finished his work. What he had done, he had rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because God rested from all the work he had done in creation. The, one of the first, check this out, there's two things I want to point out here. The first thing I want to point out to you is that in God's creation, when he finished creating everything he did, every plant, every bird, every tree, everything, created man and woman, put them in the garden. The first day when all of creation was complete, when he said it's very good, the very first day when creation was all put together, the jigsaw puzzle had all come together, was Sabbath. Our very existence the very thing that God kicked off life with, which was good, was to be like, yo, we chilling. We chilling. Put the feet up, get the Cheez-Its, get the Ritz, get the Pringles, whatever your favorite snack food is. 
get a Diet Coke or get, get a sparkling water, put a little squeeze of lime in that bad boy. You know, we, we feasting on the rack of lamb later. You know what I mean? Whatever you want. The first thing, when the Lord said, it is good, the first thing we stepped into, first thing was rest and was Sabbath. Uh, Mark, I think, knew this. And I think Mark, when you look through scripture, he actually a lot of times talks about the creator God. And I think when Mark is recording his words, he knows when he's, when he's scribing what Jesus is saying, I think Mark is remembering, oh man, Jesus, yeah, I get it now. The first thing we recognize about Sabbath, that we have to recognize about Sabbath, is that it's good. The second, uh, in the fact that it was good, did you catch that? There were three things God did. God blessed the seventh day. In other words, he's saying this is a day to celebrate. This is the day to honor. This is the day to lift up. This is the day to encourage. Then it says that he made it holy. He set it apart. There's something unique and special about this. And then the third thing, he himself rested. It's a good day. It's a good day. It's blessed, it's made holy, it's set apart. And it's time to put your feet up and relax. James chapter one, I love this. It says, every good and perfect gift comes from the heavenly father of lights, right? It's a good thing. God our father is just handing out gifts, Oprah style, you get a present, you get a present, you get a Sabbath, you get a Sabbath. It's good. The second thing we need to know about Sabbath, number one, it's good. Number two, the second thing we need to know is the Sabbath is also law. The Lord said, he's, the Bible says the Lord set it apart and made it holy. He then goes on in Exodus chapter 20 to make it crystal clear. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. And But on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your servant. Your, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner who's within your gates, the foreigner who, who, who you've welcomed onto your land and into your family, the stranger, the widow, the orphan, the alien, everybody, everybody, whether they've been going hard or not going as hard, everyone should rest. For in the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the seas and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it a holy day. See, it's so, uh, actually, before I say that, let me say this. Uh, uh, um, I don't want to word this. You know, here's what I'll say. Here's the beautiful part about the Lord. Is this was such a vital cog, a vital part of our experience with him, that he said that it's going to be something that I bless and make holy and good, but it's so necessary. I need you to know the weight that this carries. I'm going to make it a part of our foundational and our fundamental agreement in our relationship. It's both and. It's both and. There's this idea in the Bible that what came first? Okay? What came first? Was it the rule of law? Was it the rule of law that came first or the role of relationships? Okay? My words, not exactly the Bible's, but I, I want to kind of give you a little picture here. And the Bible says the, rule, the role of relationships came first, or how the Bible articulates it in Romans and Galatians. It says, what came first, the law or faith? Faith came first and then the law. 
In other words, God is saying this. I want a relationship with you. And this is what I desire from you. And I desire it so much. I desire it so much from you that I'm going to structure our relationship such to where we're both on the same page that we know that if we walk this out together, we're going to see some amazing things happen. Kind of like marriage. What came first? The first date or you sign your, your, the signature on the marriage license. The first date came first. You fell in love. You had the romance, the date. There was the, oh, hey, you cute, you fine, you nice. Let's dance, let's party, let's celebrate. And then you're like, yo, I want to keep doing this. I'm going to put a ring on it. I'm going to sign some papers. We're going to share some stuff. And the two of those things work in tandem to make the relationship more beautiful and make it flourish and make it thrive. And I think that's the Lord's vision for Sabbath. He's like, what came first? The relationship. God said it was good first. The relationship. I created all of this. I made all of this. And now we get to do it together. But it's so good and so important. I think we need to lock it up. Okay? We need to put a ring on this thing. And I'm going to make it part of our foundational and fundamental arrangement, agreement, and relationship. It's the role of the relationship and the rule of law working in tandem can bring about amazing things. Does that make sense? Let me highlight it here even more in Isaiah 58. If you turn back, Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and a holy day, if you call it a delight, the romance, the relationship, and a holy day, a day that's set apart, that we've decided this is what we're doing together, that's honorable to the Lord. If you honor it by not going your own way or seeking your own pleasure or, 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 or taking it idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, uh, for, uh, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If we can make the Sabbath, this thing that we know is both relationship and we can delight in it, we can all rec recognize the reverence and the fact that the Lord said this is something that we must do. If we can have the romance of the relationship but recognize, man, this is such a good thing. I'm going to put a ring on it and I'm going to sign on the dotted line and we're going to do this forever and ever and ever. Something magical and something beautiful happens. It's foundational. It was written in a book, someone talking about the Sabbath, it says, if we do not allow for the rhythm of the Sabbath in our overly busy lives, uh, excuse me, let me read this again. If we do not allow for the rhythm of, uh, of rest in our overly busy lives, illness becomes our Sabbath. Pneumonia or cancer or heart attack or accidents create Sabbath for us. It's from the book Sacred Rhythms. The idea here, the author says they, they hit a point, they hit a wall where they weren't taking rest, they weren't taking time out. And they, literally, the, the, the author got into an accident. But in the time of accident and having rest and being with the Lord, she realized, like, why don't I do this more often? Why do I wait till I'm forced? Why do I wait till everything breaks down for me to recognize that the, the delight that I have in the Lord, the fact that the Lord has set this apart for me, this is something I should willingly enter in like a husband and wife enter into a marriage relationship, I should be willing and desiring to step into this, into this relationship. God knows 
I think part of the reason why the Lord made this a, a law, because he knows we're just weak. Psalms 103, he knows we're but dust. And, and he knew Israel, they were some slaves coming out of slavery. And he, knew these, and he knew these people who were weak and were broken, needed some structure. So he's like, hey, you may not remember the delight of this, but let me just also remind you that, that, this, that I got a plan here. I'm doing something here. Does that make sense? Sabbath is good. Sabbath is law. Sabbath is for man. Sabbath is for man. When we go back in, in Mark chapter uh, 2, and Jesus is walking through the grain fields, and he and his disciples are plucking heads of grain and eating them, and the Pharisees, you can't do that, right? They do their thing. Jesus pauses and says, hey, don't you remember what happened with King David in, in, Psalm, in 1 Samuel chapter 22? That's where it is. You can read it for yourself. Or it's 21, excuse me. Don't you remember what was going on back then? And, and Jesus makes some really clear um, assertions. He said to them, uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, for the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. And let me just give you a little snapshot, a little sermonette inside the sermon. You had a little sermonette, a little nugget inside the greater sermon, all right? I think what Jesus was saying, this my, my thoughts, things that came to my mind, is I think he's saying three things, okay? First of all, Jesus is highlighting his authority, okay? He's highlighting his authority. He's letting you know that, A, in case you didn't know, King David did this back in the day, all right? And I'm the new king, okay? <laughs> all right? Yo, I'm a new king because one, who my daddy is, and number two, I'm from his bloodline, all right? I'm from King David's bloodline. So I think D Jesus is making it crystal clear. He's saying, hey, uh, there is some authority here. There's some precedent that has been set to say when the need arises, the king can step in and do what he got to do. I think number two thing he's saying is here is he's saying, I also can do this because I'm the suffering servant. I'm the son of man. I'm the one who's laying my life down. And because I lay my life down, we know if you read the Bible, uh, Philippians chapter two and other parts of the Bible, the Bible says the Lord lifts him up. And the Lord is like, yo, he's the one who's taken the, taken the slings and the arrows and the darts and the wounds. And he's also the one because he is the lowest, he'll be lifted up to the highest. And number three, newsflash, Jesus was like, hey, if you didn't believe all that, I'm also the high priest. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, nudge. Because Jesus functions, if you understand the Old Testament, he is the king, he is the prophet, he's the priest, he is the judge. All of the roles of leadership and authority that function in the Old Testament, all are true and real and are made a reality in Christ. So once again, Jesus is just saying, hey, I get it. You think you know what you're doing here, but I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus makes it crystal clear to them that this was designed not because we're, we're supposed to lord these rules and things over man, but because there's something else going on here. He makes that picture clear again when it comes to the man with the withered hand. He said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do harm or do good, to save or to kill? And they were silent. You see, the issue here with the Sabbath is, is there were so many in this time who were so zealous to follow the rules of law, they got everything upside down and backwards, right? Let me read this excerpt uh, from what one person said, I think is, it just states so much better than I can. This is what many ancient rabbis felt, that the Sabbath demands all of man's attention. The service and single-minded uh, uh, devotion 
It, does, it demanded service and single-minded devotion. Service and single-minded devotion. But what they didn't understand was that the Sabbath wasn't designed for the glorification of the day before the glorification and celebration of life. They were so obsessed with the fact that this has to be a certain way. We obsess over the way that things have to be, that they forgot that it's not just about the way they have to be. It's about the things working together. Not a glorification of the day, but of a celebration of life. That's why when Jesus said, once again, I'll repeat it, is a Sabbath designed to do harm or do good, to kill or to save? They were silent because they got stuck. This happens multiple times. You see it in, in, the, in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus, they keep trying to get him stuck and he gets them stuck because they've had it upside down and backwards. It sounds perfect like a human thing, right? God gives you a beautiful thing and you get it all mixed up upside down and backwards. And Jesus is tying back in when he says, is it to save or do good? He's tying it back in to Deuteronomy 30. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And the Lord, uh, uh, excuse me, and that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice, hold fast to him. For the Lord, uh, for Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In curing the man's withered arm, Jesus was celebrating life, not just glorifying a day. Jesus was acting as the role of the restorer of creator. The Sabbath wasn't made for man. Excuse me, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. This was all about celebrating life. And if life's in jeopardy on this day, it goes everything against what we should do if we let life be harmed on a day that was all about celebrating life. The Sabbath command was made to the benefit of humans. How can good deeds on the so the Sabbath was made for, for excuse me, the Sabbath command was made to benefit human beings. How can good deeds be a bad thing on that day? Sabbath is unto God. Sabbath is good. The relationship started it all off. The Lord said the relationship is so good. We got to make this a rule. We got to make this a part of our covenant, a part of our agreement, part of our plan. We also have to understand that this is a celebration of life, not just a glorification of a day. It's made, the, the man, uh, Sabbath was made for man, not man made for the Sabbath. And Sabbath is unto God. Let me read one more excerpt of a line that I just thought wrote this so much better than I could. The Sabbath's keep is, uh, Sabbath is, a uh, Sabbath keeping is more than just taking a day of rest is a, a way of reordering one's life around the pattern of working six days and then resting on the seventh. It was a way of arranging your life to honor the rhythm of the things, work and rest, the fruitfulness and the dormancy and giving and receiving and the being and the doing, activism and surrender. It, the day itself is set apart, devoted completely to rest and worship and delighting in God. Let me break it down to you in layman's terms. Simply this. When you like actually start digging into the Sabbath, a couple things you'll notice. Two words come up all the time. Two words come up. Delight and rest. Delight and rest. Delight and rest. Delight and rest. And I'd simply put, this is how I would word it in my own way, is I would say this, is the reason why we have Sabbath is because the Lord is telling us 
Like the, the whole idea is I don't, I, I don't want to order your life around the things that you do, but our lives should be ordered around his heart, his plan, his will, his desires. It's not just about keeping our rhythms. It's saying, Lord, what are your rhythms? It's not just about seeking our plan and our direction and our, all these things, but it's about saying, Lord, how do I hit the reset button and come along into your pattern rhythm in life? The Sabbath was both for the here and the reordering of life today, and it was both for the future. It's for the here and now and for the future. The other part for the Sabbath, the Sabbath is pointing to the day that one day we will have a greater rest in God. So both in the here and now and today, we reorder our life according to his plan, and it's pointing to the future on one day where we get to, like the very beginning, come full circle and be in restful relationship with him for eternity. It's the here and now, and it's for what is to come. The Sabbath is about resting and delighting. See, in my opinion, it's less about what you don't do, and it's more about what you do do, okay? All right. Yeah, I kind of had to. It was too easy. It was like it was like a, I was like writing it. And I was reading it. And I was like, it's. I just gotta say it. It's like too. It's like the like the middle schooler in me came out. And I was just like, I gotta. I just gotta do it, right? Dan Larson is loving this right now. He's like, yes, amen. Preach that gospel, brother. Do do. <laughs> the Sabbath is less about what you don't do and more about what you do do. Because when you look at the life of Jesus. He was on the rhythms of God. He was already in the patterns and the, 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 in step with the Lord. He is the one who was before all and will be when everything's over. So he's already in lockstep with the Lord. And when you see Jesus operating in Scripture and you see him operating in the rhythms of rest, in the rhythms of Sabbath, well, what do you see him doing? A couple of things you see him doing. You see him meeting with folks in the synagogue. You see him teaching on the Sabbath. You see him healing on the Sabbath. You see him resting on the Sabbath. You see him casting out demons on the Sabbath. It's not about what you so much what you don't do, but what are you doing that puts you in lockstep with what the Lord has for you? What are you doing that requires or that, that, that's demanding, that's putting you in a place that says, not my will, but your will be done? What are you doing? Wrap it up here. Um, I was thinking, I want to get very practical. Because we could dig into this a lot. And, and I wanted to give you, two, uh, uh, the, here's where we'll close down, two things. What to exclude and what to include. And we'll wrap it up here. Number one, let me give you what to exclude. And there's, a lo- there's actually a list of things I could probably come up with. But as I was reading through, like, oh, this person says this, this scripture says this, this theologian says that, I summed them all up into one word, selfishness. When it becomes about you, it's probably not about him. That's simple. When it becomes about you, it's probably not about us. I'm not saying if you're hungry, you got to go to Safeway to go pick you some heads of grain on the Sabbath. Go pick you some heads of grain on the Sabbath. Go to Safeway. Go eat. Do that. Not, do that. Take care of that. But when it just becomes about keeping up with the Joneses, trying to move the ball forward, trying to do all those things that you've always been trying to do all week. Maybe that's not what the Lord wants from you today. When it comes to just trying to get your status up 
trying to get more likes, trying to get more followers, trying to get this, that, or the other, eh, that doesn't sound like what the Lord would have. But if it's about texting someone and sending an encouraging word of blessing and honor, that sounds like what the Lord might do. When it's like, hey, you know, I'm going to go to the mall, I'm going to go shopping, go buy some stuff, I'm going to do some things. Eh, I don't know if that sounds about right. But I'm going to go on a nice long walk, breathe some fresh air, go on a bike ride, take a friend with me. It sounds a little bit more like what the Lord would have of us. Does that make sense? So what's include? Let me give you three things. And they're simple. They're vague on purpose. But they're, they're purposely vague, but there is a point to them. Three things. Number one, three things you should include on Sabbath. Number one, you should include rest. There should be some element of just ceasing and pausing and slowing down and stopping. Once again, I'm not saying you can't do those things you got to do. You know, if the toilet backs up, you got to plunge it, plunge it. Right? You know what I mean? Whatever's coming up, you got to do it, you got to do it. But, but, but take some time to say, I'm going to pause. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to stop. Second thing you should do is you should replenish. Replenish literally means to fill back up. You have just spent a week of your life giving and pouring out, doing things that you didn't necessarily want to do, doing things maybe the Lord didn't even want you to do. Maybe it's a good time to pause and say, Lord, how can you pour back into me? Not just so I can go do it again, just so I'm not living for that. I'm not living for the nine to five. I'm not living for the hustle and bustle. I'm living for the fit refilling. I know I got to grind. Nobody's saying don't grind. No one's not saying don't work hard. But if that's what you live for, that's all you're ever going to get in the end. How can you get filled back up? And last but not least is restore. Rest, replenish, and restore. The definition of restore is really simply bit, right? What does that say? Drop back to the original design, plan, or intent. That's it. Lord, how in this day, how in this moment, finding rhythms of rest, we don't live in a first century culture. Some of us are firefighters. Some of us work jobs that are in the graveyard shift, swing shift. Some of us work weekends and we're off Tuesday, Wednesday, or something like that. So I, this isn't a, per, a prescription that says has to be Saturday, has to be Sunday. But within the rhythms of your life, where are you making sure the Lord gets precedent in your time? Both daily, hourly, monthly, weekly. Where are those places where the Lord's getting a slice of your time and you're like, Lord, help restore me so that I'm always living off your plan and your agenda, your original idea, your original design, not mine. Rest, replenish, restore. Father, we're going to receive communion. And as we come up to receive communion, Lord God, we align ourselves with you, with what you have. Because what you have is good. What you have for us is right. What you have for us is true. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.